Have you ever received an answer to a question that you weren't asking? Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, and we're going to talk about hummingbirds, corvettes, and even monsters. Take, for instance, these tire mascots. All you wanted was tires, but they wanted to take your freedom and your soul. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, brought to you by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and you can follow me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor. But I'm not alone here in our studio, Cord Purgatory. There are two others with me, the first of which is our co-host. Hi, I'm Amanda Sparrow. And also, helping produce is Anthony Alegria. Anthony? And please, send us your things. You said two-day shipping, Amazon Prime. Well, I'll show you. How about this? You're going to send me a month free of Prime, and I'm going to get another box of dog food because it was damaged on delivery. That is so good. Yes, people are sending us things, and we're asking people to send us different things. Last week, we were talking about send us a Bible and a watch, but we're just going to expand that. If you enjoy our program and you'd like to have some item featured on our program, please send it to us. We would love to have that. And, of course, that was a dog tearing up its box. It came in the mail. It wanted it. Had a good time. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, like Dylan kind of introduced, answers to questions no one was asking. And we're going to begin with an interesting article about a man trapped in his car for 14 hours. And yes, that sounds like one of those stress dreams you might have, but it was actually true. I know a lot of people out there like cars, I like cars, but when it comes to modern automotive technology, people are always adding features that no one's really asking for. They're about to come out with a mid-engine Corvette. The only people that want a rear-engine Corvette or mid-engine Corvette are automotive journalists. Corvette enthusiasts, I've yet to meet one that actually wants that. Anyways, another feature that GM added in there for the Cadillac XLR was door handles which were not mechanical. And so let's take a look at this article, because this poor man, well, he was a Cleveland man around 75, and he decided to drive his Cadillac XLR, which is the Cadillac version of the Corvette, Corvette essentially, not quite, but pretty much. He drove it home, and when he got in his garage, the battery died. And he realized he could not get out of his car because it doesn't have mechanical door handles. Well, after about 30 minutes, he realized he couldn't breathe in his car. And he had to sit there for an entire 14 hours before a curious neighbor came over and helped him out. You see, what happened was, is the car's battery died and he couldn't open his doors. And this man, such a bad situation. He, he was in there and he even thought to God, you know, what am I going to do if, if I die? He even made peace with God and said, I was at peace. I asked God to help me twice. And then I said, okay, God, if this is the way I'm supposed to die, I will die. Again... It kind of reminds you of a quote from Esther where she talks about if I perish, I perish. Uh, but it, quite quite distinct in different circumstances happening. Uh, but yes, oh, that, that must be quite terrifying trying to make your peace with the fact you're going to die in your car, in your garage, in your home, uh, near your home. And what's supposed to be a very nice car. I really like the Cadillac XLR myself, but I don't know, this makes you a little skeptical in one. Anyways, how this actually got worked out is the neighbor noticed that his garage door was open suspiciously long, and he went along over there and found him trapped there inside the car. So, while we're on this topic of things that people are getting that they didn't ask for, let's get into this. Because, again, door handles, which are a button instead of unlocking them, using something like a mechanical key and mechanical switches and things, well, there's a lot of things out in the world which we didn't ask for. Number one on our list today is cars without mirrors. And yes, we're going to get past cars here in a bit. But the new Lexus ES does not have mirrors, but instead on its doors it has cameras where the mirrors should be. 
which are just as obstructive as mirrors would be. <laughs> and I know when we were doing show prep, Amanda was like, why not have the camera and the mirror? Well, I mean, yeah, because instinctively, again, like everyone who's, who, who's been driving for a number of years, we've trained ourselves when we want to merge or, or do anything, we instinctively look to where our mirrors are. So you, you're going to have drivers who are going to like, oh, I need to merge. And they're going to instinctively look to their mirror and realize all it is is a camera. And then they're going to have to retrain their brains to look at wherever the console or the display is of what the camera is picking up. So, yeah, if you had both, you would have, like, extra safety features without negating some, like, basic ones. And there's no reason not to have both. Just something else to go wrong and leave you trapped for 14 hours. <laughs> well, what's worse is they made it so obstructive. Like, why would they stick it protruding off the side of the car? If you're going to have the cameras, then you don't need the mirrors that would be in the way. Well, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, just, it's all weird. It's crazy. All right, item number two. And I think people actually were asking for this. It is a American flag made out of parked Corvettes. And, again, you have to see it from a bird's eye view. I actually think this is something that the Corvette crowd definitely was wanting. And this may have been part of a 9-11 memorial. Not exactly sure, but I think people were asking for this. But this moves us to item number three. The question whether or not people were asking for this one. Now, we had a screenshot of the Instagram post, but if you'll notice there, the Instagram subscriber or user's name is Porvet. And you'll notice his profile picture is Jesus holding a Corvette logo. What do y'all think about this? Was anybody asking for that, Amanda? No, I don't think anyone was asking. I think you're right. There may have been a small select group that was asking for uh, a flag made of Corvettes, but um, I think even in that group, this is a bit much. Well, I will say this. It did bring me to follow him. So, <laughs> Corvette, you won me over. I don't know about the theology there, but we'll see. We'll, we'll start there and move to a better place. We'll bring some sanctification in here. All right, item number four, moving back to churches. The glass pulpits. How does anyone feel about this? We've got some pictures of them there. You know, we have all seen the glass pulpits, and we all thought they were tacky. We have white oak out here in Jolton, and Amanda, I know she's got some wooden pulpits as well. What are our thoughts on this, guys? Were we asking for glass pulpits? No, I don't I don't think anyone... Well, I think people asked for them and very quickly regretted them. Um, a church that my parents were pastors in had a glass pulpit and it was very modern looking. It was part of like, you know, it's about the time where people were moving from hymnals to projectors. And, and so it was kind of this idea of becoming modern. And almost instantly you regret getting a clear pulpit for more than, like, for several reasons. One of which you can't hide stuff in it because people can see through it. And then two... Um, they're horrible to clean. You never get those suckers clean enough to look nice. So yeah, it just, even the people asking for them, I think have, have pretty much regretted that. And it's nice to have something to hide a little bit behind. Again, you're not going there to actually see the minister. If you're going there just for what the minister looks like, you're going to church for the wrong reasons. Um, let's just go ahead and throw that one out there. I think it kind of comes from this mentality of, oh, you need to be closer to your congregation. You need to remove barriers. Look, Preach a good sermon, bring the holiness of God, what the pulpit looks like shouldn't matter. And I think this is one of those tacky fads which we're all going to look at and say, mm, that wasn't really transcendentally great. It was just more of a circumstance. <laughs> Though I will say, somebody say something good about glass pulpits or else the, the pitchforks are coming. They can, be we... fun. they can be fun for, you know, a couple years. Is then... that the pitchfork or the, the glass pulpit? The glass pulpit, not the pitchfork. Uh, well, if you do want to send us your pitchforks over our distaste for the glass pulpit, send them to 6186 Eaton Creek Road. And you can email me when at kingdomofthelogos at outlook.com, either way. Anyways, let's move on to item number five, hummingbird feeders with more than one hummingbird seat. 
Now, we've got a picture here of a hummingbird feeder, and this is basically the opening scene of Monday Night Raw, whatever the current WWF and WWE is, because if you've ever been around hummingbirds, they do not let more than one hummingbird there. Actually, we were talking with the hummingbird godfather and found out a little bit about this. Now, who said any of you could eat? Hmm? Hmm? But, Don Trocolati, how will we live? I've run the Trocolati family for years, and not once did I ask for a feeder for more than one mouth. Revenge is best served sugary. Don Trocolati. <laughs> Great. Yes, and let me tell you, he was not asking for more than one <laughs> seat on the hummingbird feeder. There may have been some really hopeful bird watchers that were, but it was none of the hummingbirds asking for that because those suckers... Territorial. They're yes, mean. they are mean. Again, they're going to pick up like a folding chair and smash <laughs> the other one over. They, they will hit one another in flight. Anyways, item number six, the Michelin Man. And this was the monster we were referring to at the beginning of the program. Have you ever gone to get tires? I know there are a lot of people who may be into cars. Some people aren't. But everybody gets a little touchy when they see the price of tires. They seem to be going up. You ever go to the tire shop and you're like, well, I'm only wearing on one or two tires. I don't want to buy all new tires. And then this terrible monster comes out and says, no, you're going to buy all the tires or else we'll occupy your country and destroy you. Let's take a look at the Michelin Man. Hey, do you guys remember that time we occupied France? We'll show those people not to have vehicles with less than four wheels or only change one tire at a time. They will either buy four tires or meet their maker. Are you guys tired of conquering France and children's dreams? Tired is my middle name and middle torso and entire body and life. They said tires couldn't smoke, so I smoked them. The Michelin Man. Yeah, I don't think anybody was asking for this. Amanda, <laughs> were you asking for this to help you buy yeah. tires? No! I mean, I think you only ask for that if you're, like, wanting something to haunt your dreams late at night. I, there's, there's something, like, they, they look like enlarged tapeworms come to life. It just, <laughs> oh, it's, it, it, it is quite, and yes, and then and then some of those pictures in there where they're kind of walking down the street, you do you do kind of get a very uh, invasion-esque uh, atmosphere from them. Yes, you really do. I, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm kind of creeped out by all the life-size mascots. Like, I can kind of get, like, a large, I guess, raccoon or something like the Tennessee Titans have. But then you get stuff like Treveca, which has the Treveca Trojan costume, if anyone's ever yeah, seen that. Yeah, you get, that. The, like, the giant head. Yeah, that's not yeah. right. It's and, like, just why not a normal no. person in a, in a, in a Trojan-esque armor? I know, there's a lot of a day. nerds out there who would love to get in that armor. I would like to get in that armor. Bring me the Trojan armor. We'll do it. Yeah. No. Why why, <laughs> why do we have to have this crazy... The Vanderbilt Commodore, again, that's always creepy. Like, what's the deal with that? You know, they say that life was hard at the turn of the century. That's proof that it must have been. If that's what they used to convince people to buy things, you know everything else must have been pretty bad. You know people were not buying tires willingly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to item number seven, the Jolly Green Giant. Have you ever wanted your greens so bad that you would trade your soul from them? Yes, it's the Mickey Rooney Show. From across the Styx River. The jolly Green Giant, your best friend in peas and corn. And your worst nightmare for everyone not peas and corn. He's here to take your soul away. 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 
Yeah, that's not going to be happening at any church picnic here in Jolton. Uh, that's just straight up creepy. I don't know. What was with his eyebrows? Like, who drew him and thought, like, his eyebrows needed to be, like, halfway up his forehead? Like, that's that's what... The green giant isn't scary enough. No, we've got to make him look demonic. Yeah, the facial expression just is over the top. But another thing, too. So it's stop motion, but why do the, the cans he have appear and disappear? <laughs> Some of the other old green giant commercials are like, sink or swim. Yeah, the poor children are like, we, we all float down here. We all, we all swim down here. Yeah, are you getting greens? Or are you getting the souls of, of the damned? Um, unfortunately, may we pray for anyone who's ever experienced that, and may God come and, and bless them. All right, next item. Another one that is also creepy and may think you may leave you in a place where you're pondering eternal damnation and what you need to do to be saved. All right, Teddy Ruxpin. If you ever were wondered that the adults in your life and the adults around you were not creepy enough to read to children, what if you made something that was even creepier? Follow me, sir. Follow me, children. We have a cure for all that strange joy you have. Oh, my son. I've got a new invention that'll make up for all of those years of neglect. to work this time. Why am I just standing here? Run! Is this why mommy left you? Why spend time with your children when you could create a demon to do it for you? I failed again. How sad. How about these, Master? Ah, that is why I made battery reports. Hi there. My name is Teddy Ruxpin. And I'm here to make sure your children never sleep a full night again. I would like to Teddy The world's first animated storytelling toy. And the first consumer-ready bornless demon. Invocation batteries sold separately. Teddy Ruxman is great. And when we mean great, he is sort of the opposite of an evangelist. I like how he's referenced there's the bornless one. We once talked about the Key of Solomon where it has this opening invocation of the bornless one, which is just a creepy thing. But obviously, Teddy Ruxpin was not born. He is just sort of this crazy, demonic thing. I don't know. Amanda? I, I kind of put him in the category as the like the clear pulpit. Somebody was asking for something but totally regretted it. Because like, I'm sure there were parents that were like, hey, we need educational toys for our children. And then they get it, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, it, this is how you, like, begin a horror movie. This is the first five minutes of a horror film. Yes, it is. And an interesting ad there of Teddy Ruxman. And that was a real ad. You might look at that and say, oh, they just made that up. Nope. We may have talked over it a little bit, but that was a real ad. All right, the last one, and this is a serious one about church topics. Um, the most serious one we've got to of all, and this is item number nine. People asking for superficial music. Now, this was a post on Facebook recently, and we've blotched out the people's names involved, not to give away too many identities. But someone asked this, or made this statement online, and it's worth us talking about. They said, The average age of the songs we're doing this morning is 84 years, which is unusually low for us. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can take that comment in and of itself, but I want to move in this direction. There are a lot of people who want superficial church music. They want stuff that they like a lot while it's there. But then a month later, they're done with it completely. You find this a lot with people who are really into, well, I, I don't want to say worship music, but you find people who are really into, the, really, I guess, the art of worship. Like there's, there's a whole culture that says we must have a new song every few weeks. Oh, if you're doing one that's 10 years old, how absurd of you, much less doing one that your, your grandparents did. 
But realistically, if hymns have been around for a long time, that means they must have some sort of great quality that people aren't bored with it. And that's something which stands the test of time. Again, people find entertainment in a lot of things in the moment. You, you find this with a lot of, well, sinful things. You find it with some good things. But whenever people are interested in something only in the moment and then they forget about it a week later, or they're done with it immediately as they've put it down, well, it's probably not something of lasting quality. And that's really what I feel like a lot of modern worship music is. And there were hymns that met that criteria too, but the ones that have lasted to us now, they've lasted there because they have some lasting, long-term, transcendental quality where they elevate us to a higher plane. And that's something good. What do y'all think about superficial church music? And then we'll wrap this conversation up there. Well, I think it kind of, they speak for themselves, to be honest. Um, you, you listen to some certain songs or even if you may participate in or know of some churches that where kind of there's this rule of like you do a new song each week or they're just kind of these shallow pieces that are just fads. I mean, you can tell in the next few years that that church's growth or really the, the, the temperature of people's hearts and the growth um, of individuals and discipleship, you can pretty well pretty quickly kind of tell that this is not something lastful. They're, they're not worried about things really that are, are eternal. And, and the thing is also, just because a song is old doesn't mean, guarantee that it's good um, nope. theologically or musically. But as Dylan was t- saying, there is something that says these have stood the test of time and generation after generation has come to them and has found some part of solace or instruction or worship about them. And there will be modern songs that will stand the test of time. Um, we're not discounting that either, but yeah, there. if you're going to keep switching where you don't train the next generation or yourself to really understand and to think about these songs, if you're just moving from one thing to the other, then I think, yeah, you're going to miss out on, on what really can last. Yeah, and I think Amanda's right. Just because it's um, an older hymn doesn't mean it's of higher quality, but there is a trend that if something has stood the test of time, you should ex- ask the question why and examine it. Take an examination of things and not just be, oh, what gets me going? What what gets me really excited and checks all the right boxes right now? But actually ask the questions and say, you know, what what is quality? Pursue quality. Anthony. I will say that there is a um, pretty great and huge advantage to everybody having a collection of songs that they can share uh, within their community, you know, that they already know. And um, there are certain moments whenever that can come in really handy, especially in times of suffering. But um, something else that I was going to say was just to those who have that creative itch and have no control over whether or not they can do it. And by that, I just mean they really, really want to create a song. At the very least, all that I would ask would be that it be theologically orthodox. Yes. Because that's that's most people's biggest beef with new music is just that a lot of times... It ha- it's totally disconnected from the theology and completely about feelings. That's right. Be an orthodox theologian first and a songwriter second, not the other way around. And Don't be a songwriter trying to shoehorn theology in. And another thing, sorry, as, as uh, Anthony was saying, one thing I asked, second thing we asked is please stop taking good theological hymns and adding, um, if you want to add a chorus, that's fine, but stop adding these choruses where it's just like the same three words over and over again. And it's just terrible. Stop Stop ruining good hymns. It, it just, yes. They're good for a reason, and you basically dumbing them down is not going to stand the test of time. Send your pitchforks to 6186 Eaton's Creek Road or some online pitchforks to Kingdom of the Logos at Outlook.com or just send them to me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor or Facebook, wherever you find us. Anyways, we'll wrap that up there. 